5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. If you don't mind me saying, we should have played Toto. All right, welcome in, everybody. <laughs> it's got a nice little summer vibe to it, doesn't it, right? Uh, Philip the Ref Pilkington in today, uh, the great uh, intern Noah here as well. And it is the uh, Patrick Johnson Show. We have a uh, an action-filled hour for you. Uh, Matt Rule. Matt Rule. <laughs> Matt Rule speaks today. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll hear some of that and what he has to say. Uh, and uh, we have uh, some comments too from uh, Scott Federer, the GM of the Panthers. Uh, Panthers reporting to camp today. Pilk, uh, did you see Baker Mayfield? He pulled up in that black pickup truck and got out and. He looked ready to go. What do you What do you think? Did you see any of those uh, highlights from earlier today? Hmm? Where are you, Pilk? Oh, sorry. Hey, he was handing me the headphones. Uh, no, oh. I did not see it. I uh, I had a lot of errands to run this morning. I didn't get to hang out on social media much today. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Well, uh, we'll we'll get into some of that uh, coming up in just a little bit. Uh, we have uh, pro wrestling talk today too. Uh, our pal Dave Meltzer. From the Wrestling Observer is going to be on with us later, uh, in case you missed it. Uh, ECU alum, on paper, a billionaire, Vincent McMahon, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, Vince McMahon, called it a uh, career Friday. Got a few issues uh, legally looming over him, potentially. And so uh, Vince McMahon uh, abruptly retired. They had uh, WWE Raw last night, and I don't think there was really any mention of uh, events. So uh, we'll talk to Dave Meltzer about Vince McMahon. And then uh, we're in Ric Flair country. Slick Rick uh, retiring yet again in a retirement match uh, slated for Nashville, Tennessee. And if you're a mid-Atlantic old uh, Crockett Promotions wrestling fan, I think it's uh, a... An offshoot of Crockett Promotions that is uh, actually promoting this event uh, on pay-per-view this weekend involving uh, Slick Ric Flair. So uh, the nature boy uh, will uh, wrestle a retirement match. He says this is the final one. So uh, Dave Meltzer on that coming up a little bit later on. Uh, We do start with a lot of information in today's Pirate Report. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Uh, the thing that we are keeping a uh, an eye on, and uh, certainly our, our thoughts, our prayers, our good vibes, whatever you're uh, inclined to do, uh, I hope you're sending it the way of Parker Bird, who is... Uh, the young man who was coming in uh, as a member of the ECU baseball uh, team, an All-State 
performer uh, out of uh, Laurenburg in Scotland High School and was coming to ECU to play baseball. He was the youngster who was uh, hurt in the, uh, I guess you could just call it a boating accident this weekend uh, over on, uh, on Bath Creek, I believe. Uh, we told you yesterday he had uh, a surgery on his left leg as he, he suffered uh, some injuries to both his legs. Uh, his mom, Mitzi Bird, about two hours ago uh, posted this update on her social media on Facebook. And, you know, I, I, I'm we really want to be respectful of this and we want to make sure we keep people who are interested updated, but uh, we're kind of just letting the family as they see fit, make uh, statements. And uh, we'll, we'll relay that to you. Uh, so this is what Mitzi Bird posted, his mom, uh, Parker's mom, a, a couple of hours ago now. We're hoping for surgery. We were hoping for surgery today. But Parker's hemoglobin level is too low to safely operate. They're giving him another blood transfusion and plan for surgery tomorrow. As of right now, it is scheduled for 2 p.m., and then she goes on to thank everyone for the outpouring of love and support and, and all of that. Uh, he had uh, the muscles reattached in his left leg, and, and I guess that's the plan for the right leg, but uh, obviously this is a, a gnarly injury. And look, if uh, this young man never uh, is able to take the baseball diamond again, who cares? Because, uh, you know, obviously it's a traumatic uh, situation. It's a serious injury. And at this point, we're just hoping uh, that uh, he he's able to have a really great quality of life and uh, continue to be uh, the best he can be and the healthiest he can be. And, and hopefully a surgery tomorrow, which was scheduled for today, will be able to do that. So obviously uh, he's getting tremendous attention at ECU Health in Greenville. And uh, we uh, just, again, offer our prayers, our thoughts, and hope you do as well. If you're not spiritual, you're good vibes, whatever it is, uh, the way of, uh, of, of uh, Parker Bird and his family. So that's a, that's a pretty, um, you know, I'm sure a little bit of a setback in the mind of the family, but uh, something that uh, the medical people are on uh, top of, quite obviously. And we'll be uh, continuing and uh, keep... Uh, keep uh, you updated as best we can on uh, that. Uh, a little bit of uh, brighter news as far as ECU baseball goes. Uh, Jonathan Childress uh, has uh, put out on his official Twitter, or his Twitter page officially, uh, the tweet, excited for a new chapter at ECU baseball. So essentially seems to be committing to uh, East Carolina baseball uh, out of the transfer portal. Now, uh, Childress had pitched at Texas A&M. Uh, his best year was uh, the 21 season where he uh, appeared in 15 games and started 11, went 3-4, and four, the 461 earned run average. Uh, was 2-0 and in the COVID year that obviously got cut short. Seemed to be off to a pretty solid start. But uh, the former Texas A&M Aggie, the... Uh, right hand or the lefty I should say uh, will uh, come in and be part of the pirate program now per his announcement on Twitter today uh, last year only appeared in one game so he's got a lot of uh, eligibility potentially between uh, you know a freshman and then a COVID freshman and, and I would assume some sort of medical 
hardship situation last season. So, uh, you know, from an eligibility standpoint, while he'll be a fifth-year guy, he he potentially could only be a, a sophomore. I, I don't know that for sure. Just speculating, obviously, coming off the COVID year and an injury year. At the very least, he's got, I'm sure, two or three more years potentially uh, uh, being eligible. But I'm sure all that will be cleared up later. But welcome to Jonathan Childress, uh, to, uh, to the Pirate Fray there. Uh, more on that coming up a little bit uh, later on. Uh, we are going to kind of get through this first segment quickly. Anish Shroff also is going to be on uh, today. This is uh, part of a, an interview we did with uh, him on Talk of the Town yesterday. The Panthers, as we mentioned, started their uh, preseason camp today. Uh, Noah, are you there? Is uh, Pilk there? Which one is uh, is there with us? Uh, but the um, big guy. Yeah. You're there. So, Noah, are you fam- welcome, Noah? Are you familiar with the big game boomer? It seems like something you'd be familiar with. Uh, you know, no, on the Twitter I don't think machine. I'm with, with oh, the well, big this game is boomer. this is going swimmingly. So the big game boomer guys, of course, on Twitter have uh, kind of shown a lot of love to ECU, uh, and they you know tweet about college football and that kind of thing. And uh, they've they they have these kind of crackpot crazy rankings of the top fifty, uh, you know, players at a certain position in college football. We've had pirate players mentioned in their list all summer. Uh, we've had the, the, the top 50, uh, you know, assistant uh, to the tight end coach who uh, goes and gets the coffee. I mean, they just have crazy lists, and there's a lot of ECU representation in it, and that's cool and all. Uh, but they put out something, and they did one of those maps, and they have the most hostile college fan base in every state, and they listed East Carolina as the most hostile fan base in college football in the state of North Carolina. And, I, and so you go to the dictionary definition of hostile, and it's unfriendly, antagonistic, is what I, I assume. We might have gotten that rep from baseball season. Now, this is football. I don't think they're concerned about baseball, big game boomer. But, I mean, Tennessee's in there, and they throw stuff at Pete. West Virginia's in there, and it all makes sense because they, their fans hurl stuff at the field. But I mean, what? What does it mean? Like a tough environment to play in? I wonder, or does it mean like unfriendly and like uh, kind of nasty? I don't. I don't think pirate fans are, are hostile in that regard. I might be wrong. It was interesting in the state of Iowa. Both Iowa and Iowa State got that moniker. But I don't know how legit this is because they have Marquette listed as mi- in, in Wisconsin. I didn't even know they had football. I don't think they do. So who the hell knows what's going on here? Uh, Clemson, Virginia Tech in, in South Carolina and Virginia, respectively. Florida down in uh, Florida, University of Florida down in Florida. What do you think of that, Noah? How do you feel about that? The most hostile fan base. You say it's because of baseball. Hostile, hostile has kind of a, uh, a negative connotation in my mind, but I don't know if, that, if that's what this means. I mean, you can call it negative you can also call it the 12th man so Mm. it could work either way look at you turning it around i like it they have pit in in pennsylvania how's that possible you actually have to have fans i thought at the game to have a fan base rate rated pit Jeez, louise kansas and kansas again you have to have fans to have a fan base right 
Actually, fans show up. You have to actually physically have them at the game to have a fan base. That taxes the definition of fan base, I think, by including uh, Marquette in Wisconsin. Jeez Louise. And uh, including uh, Pitt in, in Kansas. It's crazy. All right. Uh, we'll go ahead and grab a break. Uh, a little bit of a, a news roundup for you to start the, uh, start the day and the show here. And uh, we'll be back with uh, kind of a rundown of the Panthers' opening of camp. Looking forward to that. So stay with us on the Patrick Johnson Show. And if you're CJ the Pirate, we'll have your song next. a poor decision for the intro song today. Uh, CJ the Pirate, our great friend, requested it. But uh, I think stacked up against the one that Noah picked, I think this is uh, this would have been the better um, the better decision. Teach so their that own. One's on, that was to teach their own, yes. That's so uh, pump this up a little. I mean, generally, anything from Toto, I'd be like that. But that, that's it's got a little bit of a banger quality to it. Uh, Five seventeen on this uh, Tuesday. Uh, quick uh, scene set for tomorrow. Uh, the great uh, Daryl Hawk Harrison will be in with us. Uh, he was recently honored by. Uh, the uh, Dooley football folks up in the triangle. So we'll talk to him about uh, his career. Of course, officiated a BCS title game and many championship games in the ACC college uh, football referee for many, 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 many years. He's still young. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to him about uh, his time at ECU and the whole nine yards. Uh, he'll be with, uh, with us in the studio tomorrow. Looking forward to having uh, Hawk in. And we'll talk to him about the honor that he uh, received. Uh, we'll get to the Panthers here in just a moment. I saw where uh, Liberty has already set a school record for season ticket sales. That's pretty pretty interesting. Um, we talked to, uh, before we hear from Matt Rule uh, here in a little bit. All right. Uh, let's uh, go to uh, part of an interview we had with Anish Sharaf uh, from uh, ESPN, now the new Panthers radio play-by-play man. He took over from Mick Mixon. And uh, this was uh, an excerpt from uh, yesterday's Talk of the Town program. We had him on. And uh, I asked uh, Anish about uh, the trade for Baker Mayfield. I, you know, I, I'm going to agree to disagree with him here. I don't think you make the move for Baker unless you're planning on him being the starter. But, you know, he believes that there is indeed going to be a true quarterback competition between Baker and Sam Darnold and perhaps Matt Corral. So, uh, that was my question to to Anish was, how do you see this uh, playing out? And is it indeed a competition with Baker, Mayfield, Darnold, and Corral? I actually do think it's going to be a real competition. And, and right now, honestly, Sam's got the leg up. He's 
had four months in Ben McAdoo's system. He's had the spring. He's had OTAs. I would imagine Sam Darnold goes into preseason camp as the favorite. Now, Baker obviously will have yeah, every opportunity you know, to take that from him. But Baker's going to have to win this job. It, really, the, the catchphrase, the key word all offseason from the GM and from the team was competition. They want competition in every room. And adding Baker adds competition to the quarterback room. At the end of the day, you have two QBs who are both in the final year of the rookie contract, Darnold and Baker. They're betting on themselves this season. They are betting on their football futures as a starting quarterback in the NFL. And with Baker, you know, sometimes we can be prisoner of the moment. Did he struggle last year? Yeah. Well, he injured his labrum and his non-throwing shoulder in week two. Played through it. Maybe he shouldn't have, but he played through it. Kind of speaks to the competitor that he is. It messed up his mechanics a little bit. It wasn't talked about, but he also had a rib injury and a foot injury that he battled through. The year before, in 2020, he was a legitimate top-ten quarterback in the NFL, and it looked like he was on the ascent. Um, everyone seems to want to dismiss the fact that the guy played with a significant injury last year. So I look at Baker, and I say, if you can get the 2020 version of Baker, where he had, what, a 26-8 to touchdown-to-interception ratio, he's a guy that can make mm-hmm. all the throws, he can move the pocket, he brings a little swag, a little fire, you know, a little bleep you attitude that, um, you know, this team kind of hasn't had at that position since Cam Newton um, was in his prime. So, to me, I look at a guy like Baker and I say, hey, if you get the 2020 version of Baker um, and a guy, again, who's betting on his football future and, and he's done well, if you look at his past from high school to college when he had to bet on himself, um, I think we could surprise some people. You know, the interesting what thing, is, uh, uh, before I, one, one comment about Baker Mayfield, the other thing he brings that you didn't bring, uh, that you didn't mention in these, he brings star power back to the Panthers, which is something they kind of need right yeah. now, don't you think? Well, listen, I think they've got some star power if Christian McCaffrey can stay out. Well, that's true. Is, McCaffrey, if McCaffrey big, can stay on the field, he's a huge star. <laughs> if he can play 17 games this season, now the Panthers are going to be playing a lot of meaningful games late in the year in December and January and even beyond the second week of January. I mean, I think – um, if McCaffrey can stay healthy, it changes everything. We saw that last year when he was healthy early in the year. You know, they started 3-0. and They were right there with Dallas in that fourth game. So uh, Christian McCaffrey changes the calculus for the entire season. Um, but even on the defensive side, uh, Brian Burns is on the cusp of superstardom. So is Jeremy Chin. Uh, in J.C. Horn, I think you're going to see a guy, again, if he's back from his injury and he is healthy, if he can play 17 games, you're looking at the guy who has the potential to be a all-pro, elite-level cornerback in the NFL. Now, those are three really strong pieces that you have on defense. So there is star power here, but I think to your point, this is a quarterback-driven league, and you need sound quarterback play to have a chance. And if Baker can be Baker from two years ago, man, it gives the Panthers a real shot. Yeah, I was going to ask about McCaffrey. What, what do you expect out of him as far as, you know, camp goes? How, with the health issues of the last couple seasons, is it more about just getting him enough reps and, and really trying to have him primed and ready for uh, the opener against Cleveland? I would imagine. Um, I would imagine he's probably going to be limited a little bit in some of the preseason games. Obviously, you want to get him out there some to shake off maybe a little bit of that rust. But 
Yeah, his health means so much to the team. What Scott Fitterer and this staff and this organization have done in the offseason, though, you know, they had a Deontay Freeman, a guy who can maybe take some pressure off McCaffrey on second and one, third and two, those short-yarded situations. Chuba uh, mm-hmm. Hubbard behind an offensive line wasn't very good. You know, showed a little promise as a rookie. Now he's got a much better offensive line. Um, teams may not be loading up the box to stop the run as much, given um, you know, if the quarterback plays better. So I think with McCaffrey, with Chuba Hubbard, with Deontay Foreman, you got enough pieces that you can rotate in and enough guys that you can put in situationally where you feel good about that running back room as a whole. But at the end of the day, man, if McCaffrey can stay on the field for 17 games, uh, it's going to be a fun season. Anisha, I know you're going to do kind of your own thing and, and go on mix advice, but Mick would go and stay in the dorms at Wofford <laughs> during the preseason. Yeah. You're not going to do that. I, I, I hope you're going to be your own man on that and commute at least. I, I don't. I don't know. If, are you going to rough it in the dorms? Are you going back I, to like when you were an undergrad? <laughs> you know, I am going to rough it in the dorms. I'm going to do a little bit. Of ah. Work, so I, I'm, I'm, as we speak, before I got on the call with you guys, I was, you know, getting my stuff ready, and I. I bought those uh, Adidas shower sandals that we all had in college. Quick XL sheets for the bed. I'm packing my pillows. So I may do a little back and forth. I do have a four-year-old at home, and we just got a puppy on Saturday. Oh, boy. So uh, I probably <laughs> walk home a little bit. But it is a 90-minute commute from Spartanburg to Charlotte. So uh, wow. I think these first three days are probably going to stay out there. So I'm going to... You know, it's going to be a little bit of both, but I'll probably come home once a week, and the other few days I'll I'll stay in the dorms. Hey, uh, you you got the four year old? Is that is that your only child? You got other kids? That's the only one now. Four year old, okay. and she grew up a Panther fan, so she's she's actually <laughs> at she's at junior top cat cheerleading camp this morning. No so, kidding. You know, we're, we're we're all in with this thing. Uh, Anish Sharaf, uh, he joined us on Talk of the Town. Interesting to get his uh, perspective on the uh, Panthers as they open uh, training camp today. Uh, we heard from Matt Rule and a couple comments uh, from Matt Rule here. Matt Rule. Matt Rule on the importance of camp. Cut one. Just the best plan to give everybody a chance to learn what they're doing, showcase what they're doing, making sure guys, you know, we install some plays, making sure everyone has a chance to run as many as possible, given situations. So, um, Matt Rule talked about uh, Matt Corral and made it clear this isn't just a year for him necessarily to develop. He's been very clear with me that that's not his approach. You know, um, I want every I want us to be a competitive team. I, mean, I talk about competition all the time. I mean, you got to fight for what you want. You know, I I. Uh, Again, my job is not to pick the starting quarterback. You know, I have to make that decision, but it's the guy's play. So, you know, I mean, Russell Wilson walked into a situation in Seattle with, you know, Matt Flynn, who had just had a guaranteed contract, and, and Charlie Whitehurst, they just traded for, and he won the job. Um, so I want competition, the best player will play. Um, yeah, absolutely. That that Again, I, I just I think this is Baker Mayfield's job to lose. Now, I, I don't think. Obviously, the coaches are going to say that, and apparently Schroff is not going to say that, but uh, I think that's the case. Uh, as far as any players that are starting on the pup list, Matt, rule on that. As of right now, Shaq being the only one, and uh, but you know we'll, we'll know more probably this evening. What's the timeline on him, Matt? 
Uh, I, I, he'll be ready for the first game, we believe. So, um, you know, we'll be smart with him. He's played a lot of football, but, you know, he'll, but he'll come back, he'll practice. You know, we'll try to bang the rust off of them, but, you know, we'll, we're kind of taking it week by week. Of course, uh, talking about linebacker Shaq Thompson there. Uh, back to the quarterback situation. No timeline on a starting uh, quarterback, Matt Rule says. Yeah, I'd love to have it before the Cleveland game, you know. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I think anytime you put timelines on things, you end up rushing to make bad decisions. Um, to me, this is about very much being in the moment, but not making rash judgments. Some guys are going to have good days. Some guys are going to have bad days. You know, um, you know, we, we, we'll have our 53 cut. You know, whenever we know, we know. We don't have to play games with it. You know, when we kind of know, hey, this is our guy, we'll, we'll do it. But, you know, most teams in the NFL start two quarterbacks throughout the course of the year. So, to me, it's our job to not just – you know, pick a starting quarterback. It's to make sure that we have four guys that can go in and win for us. So um, when we know, we'll know. Uh, we're hearing from Matt Rule uh, following. <laughs> we're hearing from Matt Rule following uh, uh, the start of Panthers uh, training camp. Uh, he says every guy has to compete, not just the quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I just think this: every guy on our team's competing. Uh, now, you might not be competing for your job. You might be the. We all know you're the starter, right? Taylor Moten is the starting right tackle, you know. But he, he's also, though, competing against all the great rushers he's going to face all year long. I mean, he has to have a better camp than them. So uh, that that spirit of competition that was a focus for us in the spring, I think you guys all saw us end with the, uh, you know, kind of the, the Panther games as a fun way to do that. Um, our guy, This team, they love to compete. If I say, hey, let's go run 40s, they look at me like I'm nuts. I say, hey, let's see who the fastest guy is, and they run forever. So they're competitively spirited. Um, I do think that having a competition at the top at quarterback, I think the feedback I've gotten from the players is um, it will it will bring out the best in everyone. Um, I just think that every player on our team doesn't need to worry about that competition. They all have to worry about their own competition for their role, for their spot, but also for their standard of play when the season comes. Um, back to the Shaq Thompson deal. Matt Rule says I guess Shaq can learn a lot while he is out. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, I think a couple things. Number one, I think uh, this is a tremendous time for Shaq. Um, you know, when you're sitting in meetings and you're not evaluating your own performance, you know, you're hearing all the coaching points, you're sometimes mentoring the young guys, your mastery of the defense takes a step forward. I think it's a great chance for Shaq to, I mean, because he's loved by his teammates, so he can say things and guys don't take it personally. I think it's a good chance for him to step back and watch practice, watch meetings, and reinforce standards you know really elevate himself as a leader even more and um you know he's someone i think he and i like i, I told him i said hey you know i'm going to consider you kind of like an assistant coach during this process and um you know we're, we're, we're going to visit we're going to talk we're going to do those things so i think this could be really good for him uh final thing from matt rule here and we'll get a few scott fitterer uh comments how uh they have a different approach to christian mccaffrey this season yeah, I think um, I think um, as we've said, you know, we're going to do maybe a couple things different in training camp. But I think our training camps with Christian have been right. I mean, I think he's entered the season and been really healthy and productive early. So, you know, but he is a year older. So I think as players get older, we're going to, you know, they get a little bit more, you know, break in time and all those things. So we might give them some time here and there. Um, in, in terms of in the season, I think we've. You know, said, hey, we're going to try a couple different things uh, to, you know, which, which I'm not going to really talk specifically about now. But at the end of the day, he's a great player. And so uh, great players want to be on the field and they want to affect the game. And so, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm not spending my time worrying about, hey, will Christian get hurt? You know, running backs get banged up in this league a lot. When he does get banged up, if he, if he does, um, I want to make sure we get him back as fast as possible. So we're trying to have as good a plan for him as we can have. But I also want him to be great and go out and affect the game. And I think Christian McCaffrey, um, you know, where he's at, where he was this spring, where he's at, I mean, I'm, I'm just so excited to see what he could do. Uh, and then uh, Scott Fitterer, uh, the uh, GM of the Panthers, uh, said they wanted to create competition at every position this season. Um, one thing that you know, Matt, his staff, our personnel staff wanted to do this offseason was create competition at every position. You know, offensive line, tight end, running back, all those things are really important for us to do. And uh, we went out and I thought we did that. And on uh, what Fitterer wants to add defensively to Carolina? Yeah, yeah. ideally we'd add one defensive tackle, one defensive end. So there you go. Uh, Scott Fitterer says he loves the vibe. He loves the vibe of this team. You know, I, I really like the vibe of this team. There's a great energy to this group as a whole. Um, you know, just I was in a team meeting a second ago, and everybody's like hugging each other and generally, like genuinely happy to see each other. That's something that's not always there. This is like a natural thing. And, you know, to me, uh, that's, that's really one of the biggest things, to have a strong team like that. Whew. Um, Scott Fitterer, compare, oh, gee, are, is this real? Comparing this year, this Panther team, to th- 2012 in Seattle with Russell Wilson? Oh, my God. Play that, please. Back then, we had, we had gone through like three or four quarterbacks. You know, Charlie Whitehurst, uh, Matt Flynn that we paid money to. And then uh, Russell comes in, and he just he just kept competing, kept competing, and, you know, he earned the spot. And, you know, I think it helped that, that Pete and John Schneider had the mindset to, to stay open to that idea and let it play out. That's what happened. Wow. Um, <laughs> no, are you a Panthers fan or, or no? Yeah, I am a Panthers fan. Are you like uh, like Ben and Philip and Casey? I mean, real nerdy about this, or are you just kind of cash? More casual. Uh, with your fa- uh, the yeah. more I work here, the more nerdy I get into it, but definitely more okay. casual. Well, I mean, I think you've earned the right to. I mean, does anything you hear there get you stoked? Does anything you hear there make you believe Matt rules the guy? I mean, what's what's? And there's no wrong answer. I'm just. I want your opinion on that. And maybe that's – I don't want to put you on the spot, but – I mean, what, what's... I wouldn't exactly say stoked just because, I mean, in history there's usually not much to be stoked about, but um, I'm going to have to see it to believe it. You know, yeah. I don't, preseason stuff doesn't really do much for me anymore. Yeah. All right, uh, Philip the Ref Pilkington is uh, standing by before we uh, let him no, – No, Noah's got this. Oh, Noah's going to do it. Okay, well, do you have a quick thought on this? I was going to – I was – transitioning over so you could give a quick thought on this uh on anything you heard there i mean the, the comparing this group to the seahawks that went on to went on to win super bowls seems a little eh, smoking the hopium there no i i get what you're saying but i think he more just meant like you know he's comparing corral coming into the year they drafted russell wilson okay. and <laughs> Okay, I and thought he was talking about like, bringing Baker Mayfield in. And, no, I and, think and he's I, saying I, like Corral is up against oh, no, quarterbacks no, who've no, played. Wilson no. is up against quarterbacks who no. played. I think that's no. it. But I mean, not that I no. really agree. But I get 
That's I that's think a, that's what he meant. That's a no for me, dog. Ain't no way. All right, uh, so Noah's doing the update. All right, Noah, don't blow it. His big chance. Uh, Noah, with your 94-3 The Game sports update. With our update, uh, ECU baseball commit and incoming freshman Parker Bird, who has suffered serious injuries to his legs in a boating accident, has had his surgery that was supposed to take place today postponed until tomorrow. Pirate Baseball has acquired a transfer portal commit in pitcher Jonathan Childress. Childress comes to the Pirates from Texas A&M where he posed a 5-5 record through 18 starts with a 3.71 ERA. The 8-10-year-old Tar Heel Little League team has advanced to the championship game in the Tournament of State Champions and will face Northwood Little League from South Carolina. Carolina Panthers veteran players are returning to training camp at Wofford College today. Head coach Matt Rule said that the starting quarterback position will be a competition between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow has been diagnosed with appendicitis and will be undergoing surgery to remove his appendix. He will miss some practice. The first day of Bengals practice is tomorrow. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have signed wide receiver Julio Jones to a one-year deal. He spent last year in Tennessee after playing his first 10 seasons in Atlanta. Seahawks running back Chris Carson will be retiring from the league due to a neck injury. He is being released by Seattle with a failed physical designation, which allows several million dollars to be paid to Carson in injury protection benefits. Lastly, the Carolina Hurricanes continue to make offseason moves. A returning forward, Ryan Dezingle, has been signed to a one-year $750,000 contract with the, with the Canes. Dezingle played last played for Carolina in 2019. That's all I got for the update. Back to you, Patrick. Okay, thanks, Noah. Appreciate it. We'll grab a break here, and uh, when we come back, uh, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, ECU alum, making the uh, move to uh, retirement. Shuffleboard in Vinnie Mac's future, maybe. Uh, Why he called it quits abruptly. On the uh, other side of the break, Dave Meltzer will also talk about the Nature Boys retirement match. Dave Meltzer, Wrestling Observer, when we come back. Maybe you're sick and tired of constant pain in your knees, your hips, or your back. And this time of year with uh, the summer, beach season maybe winding up before the kiddos go to school. Or maybe just uh, hauling the stuff from the beach house or the hotel, wherever you're staying, down to the uh, sanded surf, maybe that's aggravating a little bit of uh, pain for you. Point is, you need to be moving around pain-free this time of year, right? Uh, QC Kinetics has a way of giving lasting pain relief, and uh, all you got to do is uh, take advantage of their latest advances in regenerative medicine. It's pretty simple science. They concentrate your own body's healing agents and apply them to your aching joints, restoring and repairing damaged tissues. No drugs, no steroids, and no surgery. The old remedies for pain are not the only remedies you need to learn more about how regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics can change your life and make this the last summer you suffer from chronic pain. Uh, QC Kinetics with a location here in Greenville. Call now for a free consultation, 252-765-PAIN, 252-765-PAIN. That's QC Kinetics at 252-765-PAIN. Patrick Johnson's show here. Big Game Boomer came out uh, earlier today, too. We talked about the hostile 
environments uh, that they said in East Carolina, they said that the most hostile fan base. Maybe they mean like it's the hostile, most hostile place to play. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but they had the top running back duos. And one would think that uh, East Carolina's uh, duo of uh, Harrison Mitchell would be uh, in the uh, tops. But this is actually the top quarterback running back duos. And so they have Holton Aylers and Keaton Mitchell appropriately listed. I, I think you could put Roger Harris in there as well. But uh, 32nd in college football. Ohio State's uh, Travion Henderson and C.J. Stroud are the uh, top two. And, of course, Alabama with Bryce Young and Gibbs second. All right. Uh, a kind of uh, surprising announcement in the world of sports entertainment on uh, Friday as uh, Vince McMahon took to Twitter and announced he was retiring from the WWE, the company he had been uh, – the one to lead to extreme heights over the last uh, several decades. Uh, let's go to the uh, video link here where our guy Dave Meltzer joining us from the Wrestling Observer. Uh, this was kind of abrupt announcement. It was made on Twitter around 4 o'clock, 4.05 to be exact, on uh, Friday. Dave, what, what uh, led to Vince McMahon calling it a career? There's uh, investigations by the SEC and by federal authorities into Vince's uh, behavior, and uh, he pretty much was forced to leave. It all was. Uh, it all came from you know reporting done by the Wall Street Journal. Although, if there was not that record that reporting, there would also be um, the board of directors in March of WWE. The non-family members um, of the board of directors set up a, a probe um, or investigate. They hired someone to investigate Vince after finding out that he had been that he had paid off. Uh, one one woman three million dollars after an affair and that led to finding out um several other women over the years had also been paid off so uh, that was it um as recently as three weeks ago vince told all the talent you know like i'm not going anywhere um even though he stepped down as uh ceo and and his daughter took over but then on friday he just sent a message i'm retiring so so what changed because you know these allegations while relatively new as far as being reported by the Wall Street Journal, and you mentioned what happened in March. What changed in the three weeks? That did somebody get to him? Because I can't imagine anybody's twisting Vince McMahon's arm to do anything he doesn't want to do. I think it was just too much stuff that was going to come out, and we probably don't even know all of it. But uh, yeah, once the once you start having SEC investigations and federal investigations, and um, there was there was some comments in their in their own press release or in their own um, SEC release, I should say that. Um, their own that there was a failure in their own um you know accounting and and things regarding uh uh just you know the the, the coverage of this that that they had made some mistakes there was a mistake in the process and that uh you know was another issue dave melter wrestling observer.com uh, uh with us uh, here on the patrick johnson show let me ask you this really quick uh when you i mean we're talking about vince mcmahon we're talking about uh, the Walt Disney of, of professional wrestling, I think, is what he always fancied himself uh, as. I mean, is there anybody who's had a bigger influence on the industry, for better or for worse, than Vincent Kennedy McMahon? No. In the history of the industry, nobody's had more influence. He's the biggest uh, biggest promoter of all time and the most influential person in the history of the industry, by so, far. So what does this mean now for 
his company because you know we said this on the radio show Monday. Whether you, um, for better or for worse, whether it's your cup or tea or, or, or not, you're talking about a generational entertainment force in, oh, yeah. in, in his company. So, so where does this go from here? I think it's probably going to be for the benefit. I think that they'll have some new people in place. And um, I think that, um, you know, Vince had a very narrow view of, of, of wrestling. And other people might have a more wide view of wrestling. And um, I, you know, WWE is too big to fail in the sense that their TV deals are are too large. The only thing that would could hurt WWE is uh, one of the networks canceling on morals clause. And I don't think they really want to do that. I suppose if they had to, they would, because uh, for both Fox and USA, they're very, very important, you know, primetime broadcast, uh, you know, very successful, especially with the 18 to 49 audience, which is tougher and tougher for television to get well let's face it i mean and we talk about this all the time on our show live sports in this case sports entertainment properties i mean that's the hot thing in television right now rights to to sporting yep. leagues and events and i mean this is uh albeit entertainment this is this is athleticism and this is an event a weekly event this is not seasonal it's 52 weeks a year so i mean i have to and, and, and it's, it's pretty much guaranteed a good number yeah, every single week yeah absolutely so i, I have to imagine that uh, there was some pressure, perhaps, put on the the brass, uh, the board, as you mentioned, with with WWE from from the networks. Is that too far fetched to imagine? It's not far fetched. I haven't heard that, but mm-hmm. it's not far fetched. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, the funny thing is, is that these scandals have boosted ratings something fierce. You know, like the Friday show was, you know, the the big one of the biggest ones of the year. Tonight show is probably going to be, you know, if not the biggest one of the biggest of the year. Uh, for for ratings but obviously long term you know you don't want uh you know regular scandals you know boosting your ratings and then in the long run that's not a, a a good game to play so vince mcmahon graduates ecu he meets linda they get married uh he goes on to work for his dad's company he takes over uh, an arena up in the northeast and that's kind of one of his first ownership forays uh you know some some uh, just move some moving things around maybe not a shell game but there was money moved around uh, to, to where it really wasn't coming out of Vince's pocket. Same thing to a degree when he bought WWE. I mean, it was a then-WWF and a multi-million dollar company, and he kind of took over the, the, the payments. I mean, when you look at, had his vision to expand nationally and then eventually globally not succeeded, uh, eventually would this have happened, in other words, or would it have remained territorial and, and somebody else would have grown with cable outlay? Uh there's, there would have ended up being at most two or three companies because of cable television. Whoever had the cable was going to get the biggest stars, and the people who had the biggest stars were going to be the, the survivors. Vince had a big advantage because he was based in New York and had all those you know lucrative arenas that he was running in as compared to everybody else, and just the fact he had the New York media. you know That was a big advantage over Jim Crockett, who was his original toughest competitor you know right. the first couple of years. Yeah. And then, of course, it became WCW, and um, you know after Crockett sold... And that became, at one point, a very, very tough competitor as well until they pretty much self-destructed and went out of business. I like looking in on the AEW product. Uh, There's certainly things that uh, I don't like about it, but that's with anything if you're a fan of of wrestling over the years. Uh, But is this an opportunity for AEW in any way, or is it still kind of the same path they're on as as they try to grow their company? Or or now is there maybe some, some areas they could take advantage of? I don't think this is a benefit to AEW. I mean, time will tell. Um, AEW is is going to kind of sink or swim based on how entertaining AEW itself is. Mm-hmm. I don't think um, 
I mean, I actually think that, I mean, again, it's a long-term thing and you just don't know, but I think that with Paul Levesque um, running the wrestling end, he's got a wider um, variety, so to speak, of what he thinks top talent can be. And and a lot of the people who would, Vince would not have gone after because he thought that they were not not good looking enough or, or too small right. yeah. are the are key people in, in what built AEW. When they're going after that top talent, um, you know, it's going to be tougher, but there's always going to be, Tony Khan will always, as long as, um, you know, he gets a good TV deal. Yeah. Um, and that's the key. The next big story in wrestling, I thought it was going to be the next big story in wrestling was Tony Khan's TV deal. Um, but obviously this was much bigger. But the the deal Tony Khan gets for his next television um, deal will be the key to how well they can compete with WWE. They, they don't have to beat WWE. They just have to be profitable. Mm-hmm. And a good TV deal will make them profitable. Is Vince McMahon totally done with the WWE? I mean, we won't see him on television again. He has no influence whatsoever. I know he's the majority stakeholder in their board but what what is when he says he's retired what does that truly mean in your mind at first i thought it it, it didn't it you know he might come back at some point when the heat dies down but i don't believe that's the case um i don't think he's going to come back this time and um i don't i don't think he'll be on television as a character i think that uh he's done in in wrestling which is amazing it blows my mind it's hard to even conceive of pro wrestling without vince mcmahon Okay, uh, Ric Flair's wrestling his final match, supposedly, this weekend. Uh, you know, I, I, look, for a man his age who ha- has the mileage on his body, based on the training videos we've seen, he looks fantastic. He could do things that uh, men half his age probably cannot do as far I, as... I saw, I saw him doing some stuff that was very, yeah. very impressive. Yeah. Um, of course, I'm worried about it. I, I wish the best. I um, heard from him just uh, yesterday, and he, he said he's ready. So uh, I'll take my word, take his word. I mean, I know he had a bad foot injury just recently, but you know, he's, he's a tough guy in that sense. You know, you know, he's worked with broken necks, you know what I mean? He's been, you know, he's had, he's had quite the career, you know, he's had his ups and his downs too, you know, a lot of controversy in in Rick, but um, yeah, I I was amazed at at, at how well um, he was able to train. With is, all he is, with all he's been through. But is this it for him? I mean, is this true? You never it? know. You never know. <laughs> I mean, seventy three. I hope it is. You yeah. know what I mean? I think it's like pushed it. Like maybe, I, I'm not thrilled that he's doing this, but I guess there's there's something to be said for the fact that he almost died and he was able to come back and do a match. So I can sort of see that. And if people want to see it, I'm just hoping nobody. I'm hoping that he doesn't get hurt. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. no matter what you do. He's going to get very excited out there. He's going to want to do stuff, and I just hope he doesn't get hurt. No flip up the turnbuckle, Ty. Let's hope that's not. The- I don't think he's going to do a flip. I mean, I don't want to say no, <laughs> right? Uh, because he might. I'm afraid he might try, but right. he stopped doing that in his fifties. So I'm thinking <laughs> that that's probably not a good idea. Yeah. Uh, wild times. It's never a dull moment in the world of, of wrestling. Obviously, no, it's not. Dave Meltzer. Hey, Dave. Thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate it. Okay. Anytime. Yep, there he goes. Dave Meltzer will be back. Uh, a little overtime here as we wrap things up next. So the XFL released their player compensation structure, or at least a, a reporter did, uh, from uh, Pro Football Alliance. For the five-week training camp, each player will get $800 a week and then five grand each week for the 10-game season you'll get a thousand dollar victory bonus meals and housing paid by the xfl insurance is provided and 
you can add family. It'll cost you to do that. $20,000 worth of benefits and a playoff bonus awarded to both winning and losing teams. Quarterbacks will be paid differently, yet is to be determined. So that's uh, out today, XFL. I saw T-Cop reposted that. Do you think he's maybe planning a comeback, maybe? Terrence Copper? We need him here for our uh, pregame coverage, which is uh, coming up in a little over a month before the NC State opener for the Pirates. Uh, the Hawk, Daryl Harrison, in tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Uh, thanks to Dave Meltzer. Thanks to uh, Anish Shroff. And uh, thanks to Noah and the ref. And we'll be back tomorrow, 5 o'clock, for the Patrick Johnson Show. present and in the moment for family activities wasn't possible because Will Burt was so focused on the constant pain in his leg. My wife likes 